Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Hi, this is Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and I'm excited about what I think may be the next big thing in anti-inflammatory supplements, a brand new, all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. Black for Health Liquid Extract from Future Farm Botanicals. Black for Health combines four plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black cumin seed, and black peppercorn containing high levels of body-ready healing botanicals. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, and weight management, circulation, and immunity. It's a tasty supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information or to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuture. Farm, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We're talking to Nathan Jones. He's CEO and founder of Clear Inc. That's X-L-E-A-R. Clear nasal products are available at most retailers, uh, also available uh, online via clear.com and on Amazon. You can get the Spry Dental products, which I'm particularly interested in because uh, I'm a devotee of Spry toothpaste. Uh, and they have a mouthwash. They have pastilles. They have, of course, Spry gum, uh, which I uh, love to chew. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, if you see me in the office, you know, I might be chewing gum, but it's okay <laughs> because it's Spry. I'm doing my mouth a solid by chewing Spry. Uh, gum. So, uh, c- can you do a little bit of a deep dive on uh, the research that shows that uh, the new improved Spry toothpaste is um, really uh, a more effective formula? Well, if the, the easiest thing to do is because you know I'm a very visual person, and and I like to use graphs to to show what I'm talking about. Um, but if you go to our web page. We actually there's a there's a web page where it's on our on our website there's a page where it talks about the science behind Spry products, and if you go down the, the very this I believe it's the second study on there, uh, it actually there's a graph and it actually shows it, but how how hard the enamel becomes and how deep it is compared to the other test uh, toothpaste that they used and one was a toothpaste with fluoride. One was a toothpaste with with just xylitol and erythritol, and one was just an abrasive toothpaste. And and the one that really stood out is the one with the trimetaphosphate. Um, you know, a toothpaste with just xylitol and erythritol. Um, you know, we understand that if you start using that, the only way that xylitol and erythritol are going to make your enamel stronger is if you actually get rid of the karyogenic, you get rid of the acid-creating mm-hmm. bacteria right. in your mouth, your, your teeth will naturally remineralize, but that's a longer process. It's not a, it's not a quick process like fluoride and this trimetaphosphate are. And by quick, I mean, you know, we're talking a couple of weeks, months, um, for that to start happening. Whereas with, with changing the microbiome in your mouth and letting it happen naturally could take, you know, the, the studies that I've seen, there's up to six months where you start to see it. Um, but really what it does is it just, the, the trimetaphosphate helps pull the phosphates and the fluoride and the, and the calcium further into the animal. And so it hardens it. And, and dentists, a lot of times they'll see this, this, 
the, I'm trying to think of it. It's, it's almost like an eggshell effect. Mm-hmm. You have in your teeth, you have a really people that live where there's a lot of fluoride in the water, people that use fluoride, uh, you know, toothpaste, they use too much, they drink fluoride water, all of this stuff. They get the varnishes, you know, everything. It's just sort of a modeled um, appearance of the teeth, yeah? Well, not only do you get that, but, but you get, and I call it the eggshell effect. Hmm. And yes, you have the modeling, M-O-T-T, not M-O-D-E-L-L-I-N-G, right. it's M-O-T-T-L-E-I-N-G, I think. Yep. Um, it's the spotting of yep. the teeth. Um, and that's a topic to come back to in a second. But, but what this does is... If, if you use the fluoride a lot, you get a really thin layer of hard enamel if you just use fluoride. But it's an eggshell because the outside layer is really hard, but then you go further down in and you have a soft layer underneath that enamel. Mm-hmm. And then it gets hard again before it goes down to the dentin. But that's because the fluoride is only getting that hardness for a tiny, tiny nanometer at the very edge of the, of the tooth. And what this does is it takes that hardness and takes it deeper into the tooth all the way down to the dentin. Hmm. And that's what these studies show. And the graph, if you go to our webpage, the graph actually shows that. And then you can read through and it discusses the whole process of how it does it. So, so heretofore, all spry toothpaste will incorporate uh, this uh, dual approach to protecting against cavities? Uh, or is it just, you know, there's there one uh, type of spry toothpaste that, with TMP? Or is it going to be a, a, the whole brand? Over over the next year, it will be all of our toothpaste will have it. Some okay. of our toothpaste don't have fluoride, and okay. so when you say the dual approach, yeah. But all of, but we're we're moving that out, and we're actually looking at putting it into um, our mints. Also, so so we have to do a little education around fluoride because uh, you know uh, a lot of dentists think it's uh, the best thing next to mom's apple pie and, you know, want to apply it to kids' teeth and, you know, put it in beverages and put in the drinking water and then, you know, further, uh, you know, uh, you know, encourage its use. Uh, whereas uh, others, you know, it's like the cross to the vampire. If they see fluoride on a toothpaste, you know, they, they'll shun it. Uh, I've avoided fluoride for a long time. So we have to do a little education to consumers about the rationale for including some fluoride, admittedly at lower levels in this formula. So take it away. Correct. Uh, well, so there are things that we know uh, that are not good for us that are good for us in tiny, tiny, tiny levels. Okay. I mean, the, the one that I'm thinking of is because you brought it up earlier is, is iodine. You know, we have to have iodine at some level, mm-hmm. but, you know, too much of it causes a lot of bad things to happen in us. And, and it's the same thing with fluoride. Um, you know, the, the idea of putting, and the, the, I guess what you could say is fluoride, and, and, I, and again, I'm not coming out, you know, there's people that are doing the same thing, but I would say that there's a lot of dentists that look at fluoride and a lot of people that look at fluoride the same way that the the CDC and the FDA look at vaccines, mm-hmm. that it's the only option. Yeah, yeah. And, and people really shouldn't look at things as one and done, because even in, in both of those, there's a variety of things that people can do to keep their mouth healthy. I mean, fluoride, one of the big things that causes a lot of, of dental issues isn't actually caries, it's periodontal disease. Yeah. And, and fluoride doesn't I think do anything. What they say, I think, it, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're now saying that uh, in this modern era, uh, more people lose teeth due to periodontal disease than due to, uh, you know, the old-fashioned cavities. 
Uh, I would say that's probably true because I mean, periodontal disease first is usually onset later in life. Um, and well, it, no, it is. And I'm trying to think that through because most people are losing it to periodontal disease if they keep their teeth until they're 40 or 50. Mm-hmm. Right. But what you're finding now is there are a lot, and, and then this is something that's kind of swept under the rug, but there are more cavities in America right now than there have been in decades. Hmm. And that the incidence of caries has actually been going up wow. since the late in, in 80s. The, in the fluoride era. So what's up with that? Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, I, that, that's an easy answer. Uh, the funny thing is, is that you have a bunch of, you, you have the, the ADA who now comes out and they, instead of saying we're, we're reducing the incidence of cavities, they say we're reducing the incidence of untreated caries. So okay. they're trying to treat the caries faster. Okay. But the better thing would be to remind people not to drink all these sugared beverages. Yeah. Yeah. Because people are drinking, I don't want to mention any names, but we'll just say sports drinks. Yes. And they're thinking they're good for you. People are giving kids apple juice in, in sippy cups, orange juice in sippy cups. <clears throat> Anything except water in a sippy cup should be a no-no. Right. Absolute no-no. You know, and, and the reason why is all those are high sugar mm-hmm. and the kid is walking around all day, you know, put this cup down, drink some, put it down, walk around, go play, come back and drink some. And every time they're doing that, they're creating that acid uh, attack in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And it affects and the so microbiome all- of the uh, of the mouth, which is very important in terms of uh, uh, reducing or protecting against uh, caries. This is in the intestinal tract. The microbiome uh, counts a lot for the incidence of oral disease. Well, <clears throat> it accounts for a lot. Of, of that. And I, we agree with that. And using xylitol helps maintain and modulate that oral microbiome. In fact, we have some studies that are, that are being done with Dr. Ken and, and, I, and I don't want to talk about them today, but I'm so excited. In fact, he's, you know how excited he gets, yeah. but he call he keeps calling me just over the moon, like, Oh, this stuff, it's so great. Oh, I got it. So <laughs> sometime in the next year, we'll come back on there and, and discuss that because that he's doing some pretty phenomenal research, which is just, it's going crazy out there. At, at, you know, he's at Northwestern, but, Those are top but notch, it has to do with uh, the Feinberg oral microbiome. School of Medicine is just, a, in Chicago, is just a top-notch uh, research institution. Yeah, but he's doing some on the nasal microbiome. They're doing some on the oral microbiome hmm. and, and some other stuff, which which uh, I, I'll tell you about someday because it's, it's great. Um, but... I forgot where we were going. I got off topic. No, no. I'm I mean, excited about it. Oh, yeah. You know, I, in something that you sent me, I'm, I'm seeing here uh, a statistic that just blows my mind. Uh, we use fluoride so indiscriminately that 40% of our teenagers have dental fluorosis. And that's not just, uh, yep. you know, a claim. It actually was reported on uh, CBS News. Uh, that, that was that was the EPA that did that. It's an EPA study. Wow. So... You know, the rampant use of uh, fluoride, okay, fine. Uh, we can use it, but we have to be very judicious about uh, applying it. But, you know, look, essentially, uh, the theory is correct. Fluoride can be beneficial, but if you can get it to penetrate more deeply and you can use something to spare high doses of uh, fluoride, like the uh, uh, nano uh, TMP, 
which is now going to be in the spry toothpaste. Uh, then we got a one-two punch. So that that's a, that's great. Uh, and can, and can, another, well, hang on. One quick thing about fluoride. Yep. Um, you know, I know that our, that, you know, I might get some grief from the dental industry and, and, you know, they might call and get mad at you too. But the, the whole do. thing about putting fluoride, <laughs> whole thing about putting fluoride in the water and the ADA coming out all the time and saying, see, see how much it's reduced cavities. Oh, look at this is, this works. It's great. It's great. Well, that isn't really true because if you look and, and this, there've been papers written on this, but if you look at the United States and the incidence of caries and how it's reduced, since people started brushing their teeth and using, or since they started putting fluoride in the water. And then you go over to Europe and you look at the incidence of tooth decay and how it's decreased since they started brushing their teeth, which is about the same time we started brushing our teeth. It's pretty much the same. But in Europe, most of their water systems are not fluoridated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. The, they're, what they're doing is saying, is they're, is they're giving the fluoride the credit. But the reality of it is, is that at the same time that they've started putting fluoride in the water, they had they had hygienists going out to all the schools and they yep. were pushing all of these public programs to teach people about oral hygiene. Right. There's an international trend towards uh, in, you know a better yeah. oral hygiene. I mean, look, I, their teeth. I I remember you know uh, I don't know if, if you're old enough to remember this. Maybe your your, your great grandparents, not your grandparents, uh, but I remember that my grandparents. And it was actually kind of a point of pride. They could afford good dental care. Good dental care in those days was pulling out all your teeth and giving you dentures. So when, uh, you know, mom and dad, you know, went to the comedy club or, you know, went out uh, to a movie, they would leave me with uh, grandpa or grandma. Uh, and, you know, I, I would see them, you know, as, uh, before they went to bed, they would put their teeth in the, in the jar. I mean, in, in the glass, <laughs> you know, and I, I always said, you know, as a little kid, I was fascinated by it, but they, and they were, you know, I'm 68 now. They must've been in their fifties. That was a, that was the rule rather than the exception, uh, in the 1950s. That's the way it was for that generation. Correct. And it is. And, and what you're trying, what you're starting to see now is a trend towards they're not using dentures, but they're doing more implants. Yes. And I think that is a tragedy. That, that can be um, problematic. I, yeah. It's foreign material. I think that the dentists are, well, I think the dentists are making money off of that. Yeah. And what I wish that it's they lucrative. would do is start pushing the CDC and our public health officials to start talking about oral hygiene again, because they aren't. They're leaving up to the dentist, and the dentists are sitting in their chairs, you know, trying to make, trying to pay their bills, and they don't really have time to sit down and say, "Hey, this is what we need to do." And they don't send uh, dental hygienists right. out to the schools anymore. We, we need more preventive dentistry and less uh, restorative dentistry, which can be uh, very, very lucrative. Okay, folks. At this point, let's pause and allow one of our sponsors an opportunity to share this vital message with you. So here goes. Did you know that olive oil is at its peak of flavor and nutrition right after it's fresh pressed at harvest time? That's why my favorite olive oil is delivered to me direct from the latest harvest, thanks to the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and as a listener of Intelligent Medicine, you can try a bottle of their finest artisanal olive oil, normally $39, for just $1 with no obligation to buy anything else. I've been enjoying these harvest fresh olive oils for years. 
They are far and away the brightest, most lively, and flavorful olive oils I've ever tasted. Their antioxidants and polyphenols are off the charts because they're fresh from the harvest. They make store-bought olive oils taste dull and flat by comparison. Taste for yourself. Check out this generous trial offer and get your $39 bottle for a buck with no obligation to buy anything else. Visit MyFavoriteOliveOil.com. In my case, it truly is. MyFavoriteOliveOil.com. MyFavoriteOliveOil.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now back to today's guest. Nathan Jones. I want to get back to the basis, uh, the basics. For, you know, many of our listeners are acquainted with uh, xylitol and its properties. Uh, but uh, in the remaining time we have, can, can you just summarize, you know, why it is that you hit upon xylitol uh, as something that has a dual action? It has an action in the respiratory tract and it has an action uh, in the oral cavity uh, for prevention. Well, it's the same action in both places. Yeah. But really what it's doing is, it, I mean, and Mark Cannon speaks to this really well, is it's, it's evolutionary or historical medicine as he refers to it, because up until about 400 years ago, 500 years ago, right around in that time frame, most of the people on the earth were eating more five-carbon sugars than they were six-carbon sugars. And mm-hmm. that's the difference. The sucrose, glucose, fructose, and even the sorbitol, mannitol, maltitol, those are all six-carbon sugars. Mm-hmm. Okay? I find it a travesty that... All of the toothpaste, I shouldn't say all, the vast majority of the toothpaste on the market are made with sugars that actually feed the bacteria yeah. that cause tooth decay. Well, it makes them taste and better. Yeah. And, well, you can, they could easily switch it out for xylitol. Okay? But sorbitol is a six-carbon sugar. It feeds the strep mutans bacteria that cause mm-hmm. cavities. Mm-hmm. It's considered non-karyogenic, okay, because it doesn't create the acid but you're still feeding the bacteria. So the next minute you go have a donut, it's right there making that acid again. Whereas if everybody replaced it with xylitol, you'd get rid of that. So, so but, uh, you, from an evolutionary standpoint, you're saying we subsisted on more five carbon sugars. Where in the human diet or in the prehistoric diet did we get some of these five carbon sugars like uh, xylitol? Plants. I mean, most of your most of your fruits and vegetables have them. Um, broccoli, cauliflower, almost hmm. all of your plants, because the the xylitol comes from the xylose, and the xylose is what makes is it's the it's the sugar structure that makes up the cell wall in yeah, plants. That wow, Go, that takes me back about uh, you know fifty years into my uh, botany yeah. courses. Yeah, yeah, and so so one of the most the the, the best sources for xylitol is birch bark, yeah, birch trees, corn cobs. Um, and corn stalks. And then the next after that is actually sugarcane. They call it bagasse, um, B-A-G-A-S-S, and it's the sugarcane after they've extracted the the hmm. six-carbon sugars from it. The leftover fibrous tissue stuff, hmm. they can use that to make xylitol. Hmm. But, but that's where it comes from. And it wasn't until about four or 500 years ago that they started processing sugarcane to get white sugar out of it. Mm-hmm. Which is a historical anomaly that our bodies are just not used to from an evolutionary standpoint. Correct. And so over the last 400 years, we have started changing the whole microbiome of our body away from the bacteria that, that lived and grew with us and that lived off of these five carbon sugars 
now we're overrunning our body with bacteria that historically have not been part of our microbiome, but they live on these six carbon sugars. And that's why you're seeing, and, and this is, uh, you know, this is, this is part of way where a lot of these health issues come in is that these bacteria, like the strep bacteria and the staph and the age flu, these bacteria, when they eat six carbon sugars, it's a free sort of, I, I don't want to say free. It's a, they, they, I'm trying to think of how to how to describe it. It's like putting unleaded gasoline into a lawnmower or a premium jet fuel, aviation, not jet fuel, because that's decent, <laughs> but putting aviation gasoline into a lawnmower. Yeah. Okay? It's going to burn it up. Yeah. And that's what happens, and it doesn't burn it completely, and it, you know, and it causes a mess, and that's really what's happening in our body. And so if you can cut out the six carbon sugars... I mean, I think it's a travesty that, that uh, you know, people buy gum with organic sugar in it because the bacteria yeah. don't care if it's organic or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're just going to sit there and digest it and make cavities. Right. Make acid. Brown sugar, maple sugar, yeah. you know, there's so many different, uh, you know, guises uh, that... Uh, you know, fool the consumer to thinking that they're consuming something natural. So what happens when a, a, a yeah. bacteria, a typical bacteria, encounters a, a five-carbon sugar like xylitol? Well, how does it, you know, what's what's the s- secret sauce there? They, they, don't metabolize, they don't metabolize it very well. And the ones that do, it's a much slower process than what it is when they're eating a six-carbon sugar. And like even even strep mutans, the ones that cause cavities, after a while, if it's their only food source, then the bacteria will adapt to it. But the bacteria at that point don't eat the six carbon sugars anymore and they don't make the acid. What about biofilms? That's an important uh, theme in research on uh, chronic uh, infectious diseases because biofilms form uh, everywhere in the body. They may form in the gastrointestinal tract. They certainly form on the tooth surface. They also, uh, unfortunately, form on uh, implants. You know, when people have, uh, you know, artificial hips or uh, various uh, prosthetic devices inserted in their bodies, biofilms uh harbor bacteria and very, very hard to eradicate because you can give enormous amounts of uh, oral or even intravenous antibiotics and it's it doesn't penetrate these uh, biofilms which are kind of like fortresses in which the, the bacteria hide. Well, the so there were some studies that were done and, and it was a Mary Cloud Ammons out of the University of Montana and this is a decade and a half ago maybe um, but she actually published a couple of papers showing how xylitol, the bacteria that are in this protective matrix inside this, you call it a fortress, um, this biofilm, if they perceive that something is a threat, they don't allow it into the biofilm. And, but they do think that xylitol is, they, they perceive xylitol to be a food source, just like as if it was sucrose or glucose. And so they actually allow that into the biofilm and the bacteria will, will try to ingest it, and they'll ingest it and they'll metabolize it. Or they, and if they can't metabolize it, it, they just keep ingesting it and ingesting it, and it ends up killing off the, enough of the bacteria that the whole biofilm falls apart. Hmm. Wow! And so that and, could... and we we run into that we run into that with Clear, the nasal spray, because a lot of upper a lot of chronic upper respiratory infections or respiratory issues, I shouldn't say infections, 
because there's a lot of different things and not all of them are infections. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of these chronic uh, respiratory issues that are caused by biofilms. And when my dad started using the nasal spray with xylitol back in 1998, he was using it on kids that had things like allergies and kids with asthma, chronic ear infections and stuff. But a lot of them had, um, you know, the, a cleansing moment. And, and that's where they just, it, you know, they, they said it felt like their brains were coming out of their nose and they freaked out about it. And we, yeah, they, they expelled day, all these mucus of, layers that were, had accumulated and were sort of stuck in their sinuses. Correct. And, and we still get a lot of those today, but we know what they are and we know how to deal with them. We just tell people that's good. That's typical. You're just cleaning it out. Um, go forward, keep it, use it once in the morning, once at night. It's just going to keep it clean now. Um, but that's really what you're doing is you're breaking down all the biofilms in the upper airway. Can kids use this too? The nasal, the, we have all kinds of kids' products. I mean, the nasal spray was invented for babies. I mean, that's what my dad was using it on. He had actually read all the studies about kids. I mean, the kids in the dental studies that were using the xylitol chewing gum, not only were they not getting cavities, but just by chewing the gum, they were getting 42% fewer upper respiratory infections, ear infections, stuff like that. And that's what made him start to think and say, hey, you know what? What if we took this and sprayed it in their nose? Because that's where ear infections start. And so that's what he started doing. And, and you know, but he started doing it on kids that, that were too young to chew gum. So, uh, Nate, give us a preview of what's uh, on the product development front or on the um, research front for Clear. Because, you know, you're always moving the ball forward. And, uh, you know, there's some interesting new developments. We, we have... Well, right now we have we have some studies. I just got word today. Um, we 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 thought we would have this study done by now, uh, but they've taken forever to to get it done. Um, but they're pulling the trigger and they're getting it done. Um, but we're doing a study, and this I mean I don't want to say the c word, but this is a study being done in the UK because uh, the FTC told us it was problematic if we continued to do research with CLEAR here in the U.S. Hmm. Um, and publishing it, <clears throat> which doesn't make any sense at all. Wow. That's, a, so that's like a, that's you know, censorship or cancellation. <laughs> hey, I'm... But, so we're doing it in the U.K. <clears throat> at uh, one of their hospitals. And... Uh, um, but what they're doing is they're peak-taking people who have COVID having them use a nasal spray every three hours, and they're measuring how long it takes them to become negative on a mm -hmm. PCR mm -hmm. test. Mm -hmm. um, we have another one that we're trying to get going. <clears throat> um, we have one that's, that they're, they're finishing it up pretty soon um, in the Dominican Republic. Um, you know, we kind of messed up on that one because when we were doing it, uh, we kind of had a little bit of a, of a problem getting it going. And, uh, but what we what we forgot to do is the doctor doing it, we were comparing using clear and a saline. Um, and it turns out that and then and then her standard of care and she didn't tell us this, you know, and so I don't want to make it sound like we didn't ask because we should have asked. So it's our fault. Mm -hmm. But she was treating all of her patients with a saline, which is more than what most physicians are doing. But she was already treating all of her COVID patients with a saline, mm -hmm. and so and so when we went in there to compare the data, there's no comparator. We're looking at some, 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we kind of just we just kind of screwed that one up. Yeah. But <laughs> we didn't we didn't think to ask her because no one here in the U.S. is doing it. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say no one, but the majority of them here in the U.S. Yeah, was, aren't doing it. Yeah, they're and, not aware. And yeah. it became a you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it is. But you know, it does suggest um, that that we, uh, nasal hygiene is uh, in other countries is considered an important part of the care package. Uh, for patients uh, infected with uh, viral infections, anything, yeah, and and uh, so we have we have some other research studies that are that I'm actually really excited about too um, that Dr. Cannon is doing, and I'll, we got three of them, and I'll tell you about one of them. Um, but we have one where we're taking people, and and I am I'm not, I'm, I'm telling you. I, I would consider myself, and I don't mean to be saying this in an, in an egotistical pat myself on the back, but I would consider myself to be an expert in the, in the field of nasal hygiene and, and dental hygiene, and especially in dental hygiene where it comes to the role of xylitol and non-hexo sugars in the role of oral hygiene. Um, and I don't think that anybody that, that knows me or understands my knowledge base or background would question that. But <clears throat> something that really just surprised us is we went to go look at some studies and some research on the nasal microbiome. And you know how many studies we found that have been done on the nasal microbiome? I, I would think uh, thousands. None. Oh, my goodness. That we is could, that is such a lapse. A single, we could not find a single study to the wow. fact that when we went to go collect samples, because what we were going to do is we were going to take a bunch of people that are sick and and take a bacterial swab of them, and then we were going to culture them, and yeah. we were going to do the genotype of all the Right. I mean, they, they have the ability to do that now with stool, you know, to a very, very high degree yeah. be through, <clears> through <throat> new techniques of, uh, uh, you know, molecular uh, analysis. Uh, but um, so, so, so we're going to do that with the with the nasal microbiome. We got it all set up. We're getting the study ready to roll, and they have never ever done a study on that. And so we had to come up with a culture, uh, you know, a transport medium for those swabs. Mm-hmm. But no one had ever done it before to where you were trying to keep everything alive. Yeah. And so we had to come up with that, and that set us back. But um, you know, we should have that done within, I mean, that'll be three months, four months, and I'm really excited. But what we're doing is we're taking a bunch of people that are sick and doing that. We're taking people that are healthy. We're having them do that. And then we're going to have both of those groups used here for three months, and then we're going to measure their microbiome again and see how it changed. That's a really great research design. Well, look, I mean, obviously, you're not sitting on your hands. You're not resting on your laurels. Uh, You know, you've made some very, very fine products in in the past. Uh, and now you're uh, enhancing them. Uh, we have on the one hand Spry Dental Products, uh, a whole line of dental products uh, for adults and children, and also the Clear uh, Nasal Products. And uh, you can get information about them at uh, xlear.com and find them at most uh, retailers, uh, natural products retailers especially, nationwide. Uh, so uh, anything to add? No, that's about it other than uh you know tell people if you like what you're hearing if you like to have uh you know be able to read up on the science that we're doing just go to our webpage. any of the studies that we do that 
that have any relevance to nasal hygiene or oral hygiene, um, we will we will post on our webpage. I mean, there's a bunch of them on our webpage that have nothing to do with our products. Uh, we just think that that increasing the knowledge and the awareness of why people should wash their nose um, is important. And, you know, we think that washing your nose, and the term washing, I should say, to us, I, I should define that because we don't believe that high volume irrigation is always the best thing. You know, like using a neti pot. If you're using a neti pot once or twice a week, that's about the max that I would say to use it. It has the potential to push one, infectious material further up your nasal passages. Well, not, not only that, but what you're doing is you're cleaning out that entire protective layer of mucus. Mm-hmm. And it takes your body three to four hours to recreate that mucosal layer, that yeah. protective layer. Yeah. And so if you can use a nasal spray that really just thins that mucosal layer out, you know, for five or six hours, well, that's what you want to do. And if you can put compounds in there like xylitol that are going to block bacterial and viral adhesion, that's more power to it. And if you're putting stuff in there that, that actually is, is virucidal, um, or bactericidal to harmful bacteria, and this is what we're doing that microbiome study for, um, you know, then it's even going to work better. I mean, most of the times when people get sick and go see a primary care physician, it's for upper respiratory issues. Yeah, I mean, percentage-wise, it's got to be like, you know, well over, over half. Uh, oh, it's, so. it's closer to 70. Wow. Yeah, for, 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 for primary care physicians. For usual primary care, yeah. I mean, that, that, includes, that includes allergies, asthma, um, sinus infections, ear infections, um, colds, flus. I mean, it, and, it and ultimately pneumonia. In the first. Ultimately pneumonia. Yeah. 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 All of those. Yeah. So, well, great stuff. And you know, look once again. I, I admire your uh, commitment, your tenacity. Uh, you know, you're uh, uh, taking on the powers that be, uh, and their uh, inertia when it comes to adopting uh, new and innovative uh, approaches. Uh, I think that that's, you know, really in the spirit of, of innovation. And, you know, really, we in the natural products industry, we really appreciate folks like you, uh, you know, really uh, standing up for the public. It's kind of a grassroots thing where uh, we advance plausible, uh, safe and natural therapies in the face of a, a medical pharmaceutical uh, behemoth. And with governmental <laughs> regulation supporting them, so good luck in your efforts. Thanks very much well, for joining you. us, uh, Nathan Anytime. Jones. That was Nathan Jones, CEO and founder of Clear Inc. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site, it's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com 
to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.